Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. On this week's episode, we're talking all about potlucks and communal gatherings and just in time for Thanksgiving. Although most of these dishes are going to work any time of year, we'll share some of our favorite recipes as well as tips for both hosting and being a guest at a potluck. And as usual, Carrie and I discover that we have some strong preferences and they're not always the same. And we're going to learn about some dishes that are unique to each of our family's traditions. Stay tuned for more. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. How's it going? It's going great. How about you? Well, I'm excited because I have something, um, a dish that I'm really excited to talk with you about today. I just can't wait to hear. I always love when you bring the energy to these meetings. I was invited to a, like a potluck this week, and I I raised my hand to bring a salad. And I feel like taking a salad somewhere else can be such a daunting thing because putting together a salad is easy in your own kitchen. But we, wait, wait, can I? Can we yeah. just pause? For yes. Like, because I feel like we need to talk about the whole idea of a potluck first. Okay. Yeah, I think so too, for sure. I mean, okay. I want to hear what you brought. I want to hear because I know you're going to drop some like great potluck wisdom on us. <laughs> but what I really want to talk about is like, I ha- can I admit something to you? Like I – okay, I love going to potlucks, but I am a recovering control freak and perfectionist and have hated to throw them. Yeah, I, I get that. I think – I think you have to kind of release the reins a little bit when you allow people to bring um, dishes to put on your own table. I do think that you can encourage them in certain directions. And and then you can also know that that's not – that people can interpret that however they want. I mean, it, it's so true. And also, like, I don't know why I was resistant to it before. Part of it is, like, because – it's not just about like perfectionism or think I like I love people's food. In fact, when I go to a potluck, what's it's fun for me to see like what kinds of other things people are making. It's just that I kind of have this thing where I really want to take care of people, right? When they come to my house, and I've it's stuck in my head that it's like they shouldn't have to bring anything. They should just come and be like welcomed and fed. But the the truth is, then like there is a certain joy in contributing to a meal and doing something together as a group, right? Well, yeah, I think they're two different animals. I think they're it's a such a different vibe. You know, yeah. if you're hosting a dinner and you want to take care of people, that is one thing. And then if there is also this need or opportunity to get people together, but there's more of this equality vibe. I'm agreeing to host part of it, but other people can bring things. Just I totally yes. My friend Alicia hosts a lot of like Jewish um, holidays at her house with lots and lots of people. And I remember for Passover this year, she did such a cool thing. She had like a spreadsheet. She like wrote everyone an email. She's like, "We're handling salmon and chicken, and I've divided every single other thing up on the spreadsheet. Like everyone, feel free to claim what they feel comfortable bringing." And it wasn't like you have to bring something, but it was sort of like. I'm creating a structure. I'm going to let you guys pick what you want. And, you know, it was everything from cut up crudite to dessert to salad to a, you know, potato side, like kind of 
specific enough that you didn't feel like you were in the wilderness. categories. Yeah. Yeah. That see that really resonates with me. And I've experienced that with our school. They basically create a sign up genius and there are all these categories and you can come and you bring a main that is chicken and it feeds six to eight people. And you can bring a salad that is vegan and it feeds six to eight people so that based on the number of people who are there, then there are three of those salads or, you know, five different mains or whatever it is. It's such a smart way to do it because I think part of what can go wrong in a potluck is like, you know, everyone suddenly shows up with pasta salad. Like having that little bit of direction just creates like, it actually makes everyone feel better. The person bringing the food and the person hosting. Yeah, I think the specificity actually mm-hmm. really matters. This is going to make you laugh. I offer potluck at my Thanksgiving because we have a pretty small family and there are a lot of good cooks in our family. And so I usually take the couple of things that I really like. I always take the turkey because, you know, carrying a turkey to someone else's house is weird, although I've done it. But, you know, I take the turkey, I take a couple of things that I might, dishes that I might be excited about. But For instance, like I know that my sister-in-law and I know that her sister who also lives here in town, they're incredible cooks and they have a similar love of vegetables that I do. And so I'll just say to them, you guys bring the veggie sides done. And I, and I, and I know them well enough that I trust them that whatever they, they bring, you know, I I don't like to give them more than just bring a veggie side because then I give them all the creativity and that feels good to them. I think it's also because Thanksgiving, I similarly, I mean, I host a lot of Thanksgivings where I make everything, Mm -hmm. but the two things I've historically always also done is like, I always have people bring a dessert because it's just so fun to have like an abundant dessert table, like full of pies. But also I always ask or offer that if there's like a particularly memorable side dish, like I feel like everyone has their Thanksgiving must-have, yes. right? Like some people need rolls and some people need candied yams with marshmallows. They can't have it any other way. Yes. And I had a neighbor who needed to have green bean casserole. So he brought it and it was yeah. like, I love that because then it's like everyone's memories are at the table, right? And people are bringing parts of themselves and you can – that becomes – in some ways, Thanksgiving to me is the ultimate opportunity for a potluck because – there are so few rules in that space. And, you know, historically, I've always kind of just loved the mess of it. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. So like one of the salads, and I'm, you know, using air quotes with my fingers right now, is one of the salads that like my mom or my aunt would always make is a orange jello tapioca salad. <laughs> you know, these like jello mold-ish kind of dishes. Did it have marshmallows um, in it? That one didn't have marshmallows. It definitely had Cool Whip and it had tapioca pudding and mandarin oranges from a can. Amazing. The other one that did have marshmallows in it was it was like a pistachio pudding with canned pineapple. <laughs> And I, I, I mean, and so it was also that sort of strange green color, you know, and then it had like little bits of yellow from that, the pineapple. I've said this before, but that would have been my dream in my childhood would I know. to be to come to it your Thanksgiving. Me, oh, it makes me laugh so hard. So, you know, I remember like when I moved to California and I had a roommate, we hosted Thanksgiving the first year I lived here. And, you know, it was just like a ragtag group of people because I barely knew anyone here. But my mom, my mom and dad came 
And actually that was also my, my dad and I went to Target and we bought a turkey roaster, which I still have like a, like a giant turkey roaster living in my basement all these years. Anyway, because my parents were here, my mom made that salad. Oh, and it also has maraschino cherries on it. I forgot. Like it's like (laughs) mandarin oranges, maraschino cherries, tapioca pudding. Wait, wait, we need to get your mom to give us the recipe actually. Oh, I have the recipe because every once, like every couple of years, I'm like, all right, I'm kind of craving this again. But people came to my Thanksgiving and they were like, what? is that there's always a few people like I have a friend who's she was born in New York she grew up in Florida but she had some Midwestern family members so when she came to my Thanksgiving a few years later she was like oh yeah I know these dishes I love this stuff you know it felt like home it okay. felt like home yeah I really okay, do want to get to the rest yes. but wait one yes. last question <laughs> sorry everyone before we get to the food were you part of my cookbook club back in the day I wasn't. No, we, I don't know that we were that close of friends. I guess we weren't that close then because I was going to say what this conversation reminded me of was the one kind of potluck that I loved more than all the others is I used to have this very small cookbook club where we would take a cookbook and everyone would choose a recipe from it and then we would have a dinner together. And what was so great about that is like, you know, when you get a cookbook, you sometimes wouldn't think to try certain recipes, but then someone else makes it and you're like forever like, oh my God, now I would never have thought to have made that one. And you get to try the cookbook and it's such a fun way to do it. I miss having that a little bit. There was this one recipe too that came from one of those meetings and it was like a entire pumpkin stuffed with like bread and cheese. It was a Dory Greenspan recipe. I don't know if you know Dory Greenspan, but she's, I'm sure you do. Yeah. She was a Ruth Reichel recipe where she cuts the top off of a pumpkin and fills it with cream and Gruyere. Yeah. That's what it is. It's cream, Gruyere, Gruyere, and like crumbs. um, I mean, bread cubes. And you rub like a little bit of garlic on the inside. So it's kind of has a garlic scentedness about it. It's so, oh God, ridiculous. I think Dory just has like whole garlic added and herbs like rosemary and like thyme. And it is so good. It's a showstopper. You don't need a turkey. It's that good. I mean, it's a real- I've taken that to Thanksgivings that I've been invited to because it it bakes and then you can just keep- you basically put it in like a casserole dish and, and transfer it and it can go back into the oven at whatever temperature. But yeah. this episode might have to be split into a few episodes because I feel like there's so much to to discuss here. But you know, where we really started was there was a gathering of friends and someone was hosting and she was going to order some food. And I just said, I'll bring a salad. Like I just offered to bring a salad. She was really generously hosting. And it was one of those kind of last minute things. And so I found this really great farro salad. Um, the recipe was online. We can link it. But the there are a couple of things that I especially like about it, which is that you can make this sort of very well-flavored, farro-rich farro mixture ahead of time. And then you can assemble whatever greens and herbs and veggies that you plan on mixing it with. You kind of keep them separate. And then when you get there, you can just toss them all together. And you let a salad like that sit for like a few hours or even overnight, which is even better. The flavors develop. And so that that all that taste, all the flavors in the farro just are so much more magnified. And then you add all this fresh stuff at the at the very end, like greens. There was a there's arugula, herbs like basil and 
green onions and what else? Oh, a mint. I did a bunch of mint. But, All that but freshness. Wait, what goes – can you describe what the farro part of it is and like yeah. what the process is? Yes. So the the killer idea, which really has stuck with me with the farro, is that you cook the farro, not just in water. You cook it in a generous amount of apple cider vinegar. Whoa. Bay, bay leaves, and like lots of salt. Wait, so and you so, mix water and apple cider vinegar together. Water and, apple, and 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 my kitchen smelled very vinegary when it was cooking. It was like I was canning things or whatever, which I don't really do. But it was it, the strong the smell was strong. But when that farro is cooked, then it has already starts with a lot of flavor. Then you mix in like good olive oil and there's pistachios and there's parmesan cheese and you basically come up with this mixture that is so flavorful. And then you keep this other flavorful mixture of veggies, which the recipe I think calls for arugula. I didn't have arugula. I had Swiss chard. So I sort of roughly chopped up a bunch of Swiss chard. I did have fresh basil and fresh mint. So I added a ton of that. And then- I have to go back to the farro. And for anyone listening who doesn't know, farro is like, um, you can find it at most markets now. You can even usually find it- at Trader Joe's, and it tastes a lot like a wheat berry. It's like has a kind of chewy, nutty flavor. It's like bigger than rice. Farro, you know, you typically cook. it's like a, it's like barley. It's like a if you, barley. It's yeah, like, it's a fluffy grain, but it's really. I love that it's always described as nutty, and like there's a big range with which you can cook farro. Like if you want it to be really soft, but I like it to be really chewy. So do you when- so you just boil it in this you'd already told us like this vinegar water bay leaf mixture and you like basically simmer it till it's the tenderness that you like the and tenderness you- that I like you yeah. almost treat it like a bean yeah. right like you treat it like like when you cook beans you can cook beans and plain water, and that's fine. But you can also add aromatics to your bean mixture. I wouldn't necessarily add a bunch of apple cider vinegar to that mixture, to a bean mixture, but adding all that apple cider vinegar into the farro, it soaks up that tang. It was so So, tangy. So you then like drain your farro mixture when it's cooked to the tenderness that you like. You taste it at some point. Yes. You drain it. And then you toss it with pistachios. What other things did you toss it's it with? It's a really rich amount of olive oil, lemon. What I also did, I don't think the recipe called for this, but I really love, and I know that you feel the same way too, is lemon zest. So mm-hmm. I think I put like two or three lemons in there and then Parmesan and then chopped up pistachios and like generous amounts of olive oil. So you're basically making this like really wet mixture because it's still rain. warm, it's still warm, and it's like soaking up soaking that up olive oil. All this. Yeah. yeah, and a, like a good amount of salt and a good amount of pepper. And then at the very last minute, I just folded in like tons of herbs and greens. Oh, I had a couple of cherry tomatoes that just were left over, and I had a couple of like bits and bobs, like a couple of green beans that I chopped up in there. But I also shaved in some celery. So it was like to me, this was such a great place to start. Oh, I'm going to the park for a picnic. I'm going to a school event. I'm going to someone's house and I'll offer to bring the salad. I was like, this is brilliant because I can make this a day ahead of time. I can make it the morning of. When I washed all the greens and the and the herbs, I actually just put them in a towel. And so then I had like 
you know, I sort of took them and just like shook them into the bowl and tossed it all together. And it was – And because the faro is so well-dressed, it's like you don't need anything else because it just gets folded in to this already very flavorful mixture, right? Yeah, because I was also – I was a little nervous when I was going. I was like, am I going to need more lemon? Am I going to wish I had more dressing? The bowl was licked clean. It was so delicious. I think people underestimate what a salad can do to me. Yes, like, yes. I really do true. because especially like sometimes you're just looking for that – thing of brightness and also a salad can be that fun play of textures like if you have a meal like a potluck that has like a lot of let's say it has like mac and cheese and it has something meaty like those are all the same kind of texture and then you have like a bright crunchy you know multi-very textured salad it's you need that in yeah the it was great oh and then one other fun one other funny thing that I put in there there are these you can get them in many places but I had picked up mine at Trader Joe's they're basically like a little cheese crouton like it's basically like mm-hmm. cheese baked into like a crouton. Oh yeah. You, they come in a little bag and I've seen them at Whole Foods before and, and you can also make them yourself if you becomes You shred it cool. and you lay it flat and it and yeah. you, after you bake it, it hardens into like a cracker. Into a, like a cracker. Yeah. And so I just had a, a couple bags of those. So I just opened them, crunched them up and then crunched <laughs> all that into there. That's <laughs> a really, that's a key thing that you're I'm glad you brought that up and didn't leave that out. Yeah. Because of course that would make it so addictively. So good. Yeah. Because yeah. you have all that hit of umami from the Parmesan Yeah, crisp. it was really great. It was – yeah, go ahead. No, I would say it makes me think of a salad that I used to bring to a lot of potlucks and I should – I want to like reintroduce and I'm pretty sure you gave me this recipe. Wait, to tell me. With. It's an old Melissa Clark recipe and it's like you roast a bunch of sweet potatoes – at any point, it can be, you know, the day before, the day of. And then it's a big bowl of spinach, a ton of sweet potatoes and fresh herbs, but the key and I think like a toasted nut. And then you make this yogurt dressing that yeah, like I remember is, that one. Yeah. Do you remember this? It's yeah. like a yogurt. It's like almost like a tzatziki flavor. It's like dill, yogurt, garlic, lemon, olive yeah. oil. So yeah. simple. And this salad is always a hit. Everyone wants the recipe. Oh, you know what? Sorry, it's not a nut. The secret to the salad is you make a crispy chickpea. So it's – which you can also make the day before or the day of. So then when you get to the party, you just throw the chickpeas, the roasted veg, which is at room temperature or even straight from the fridge. It doesn't matter. The the spinach and herbs. And then you toss it with this yogurt dressing. It's so, so smart. Also, those colors are so beautiful. You know, you can really – if you have some kind of really beautiful platter, you can throw it all into a bowl, no big deal. But if you have some kind of platter, you can kind of like – a white platter, but if you've got some kind of pretty pottery that you have, laying out all those greens and then adding all those sweet potatoes, which generally I think when people think about a sweet potato, they're thinking about the orange, but there's also the the purple too if you ended up having those or those lighter colors too. So like the green with the orange, you know, this like creamy dressing, which you can drizzle over it or whatever. It's like layering that all together is also so beautiful and you're right. And, and same with the farro, a- having all those and whatever veggies you add to it, whether they're pretty cherry yes. tomatoes or cut up bell peppers, just a lot of really beautiful greens and radicchio, like all that could make it beautiful no matter the it's, season. It's very vegetarian inclusive, mm-hmm. which you can easily make vegan inclusive because Absolutely. I could have just left, I could have just made it this really zesty salad the only thing to take out would be the Parmesan and you could leave that on the side and let people add that as at will. And then someone who has come to the 
the party who eats vegan or eats vegetarian doesn't feel like, oh yeah, I just have to eat like the the pizza with marinara instead of, you know, the whatever. Like then there's just this beautiful offering for them too, you know? Yeah. And you could always like with either of these salads, well, you could leave whatever is not plant-based on the side. So even if you're doing a yogurt dressing, you could leave that on the side and you could have a simple vinaigrette as another option yeah. or use a non-dairy yogurt I, if you, you want. Thank you for reminding me of that one. It's funny. I Didn't you find that? Wasn't that your discovery? Yeah, and I remember taking that to someone's house. I would make something and then I would call you and be like, guess what? I just made this delicious and then, and then I made yeah, it and, and I took it, it to one's house yeah. and they're like, holy cow, can I please have this recipe? And it like spreads and yeah. that's what I love about – when you discover recipes, Carrie, it's always like a gold mine for me. I feel like I benefit. Well, I always take recipes as um, a suggestion, but it's funny that you mentioned the sp- sweet potato um, salad that was from Ms. Melissa Clark because I'm pretty sure that this farro salad was also a recipe she developed. It's making me think too about something I love for potlucks, especially potlucks where like it's like daytime or like it's not a dinner like just focusing on a potluck that's more like or it's like a very casual dinner right I love taking something that's like very accessible and knowable to everyone and making it a little more exciting so my example is potato salad I love potato salad and I love bringing it to potluck but it's never like the regular traditional potato salad. Tell me what you do with your potato salad because I think this is a great idea. And can I guess your potato salad is not mayonnaise-based? Is it a vinegar-based? Tell me. I'm dying to know. Okay. I mean, let's be fair. Bring a mayonnaise salad in the peak of summer. Base salad is not a good idea because it's going to sit out. It's going to get hot and all kinds of not great stuff happens. But I do actually like mayonnaise in my potato salad. Oh, I do. Yeah, I and do if too. It's not, if it's not, I do, I have a version of potato salad I make that's like a mustard vinaigrette, like with shallot and mustard and lemon and, you know, little honey or agave to balance out the sharpness, olive oil, and I toss everything in that. That's definitely a potato salad I make. But I make this kind of dressing that I make both for my coleslaw and for my potato salad, and it just really works. But I was going to say the thing that makes the potato salad better is not just what I dress it in, but the amount of herbs I add to it. So I add like several cups of herbs to the potato salad. It's not just potatoes. And I also, I have celery hearts and their frilly tops. I add fresh scallions. I add copious amounts of dill parsley, if I have chives on hand, if I have tarragon, that's really good. I feel so hungry right now. That sounds amazing. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Wait, so what is the dressing? Yeah, so the dressing, yeah, the dressing is always pretty much the same. I take good mayonnaise, like a Best Foods mayonnaise. my favorite mayonnaise. Or or my Russian market mayonnaise. Right, right. You know, I love Russian mayonnaise too. And lots of some lemon juice and apple cider vinegar, always a very small amount of sugar, agave, or honey. Like, I, I always feel like you want just like a touch of sweetness, but really to subtle. like take that, yeah, to take that little edge off, yeah, to take the edge off because I also add a whole grain mustard, has to be whole grain, not Dijon, like not with yellow. the little mustard grains in it, yeah. yeah, those little mustard grains, a decent tasting one, and then. That's pretty much it. And I make sure there's a really good amount of the, it. Because the, the potatoes always soak it in. Do you ever add like green beans to your potato salad? Or is it just pretty much like potatoes? You said celery, right? And then yeah, all these now I want to add green beans. That would be delicious. I add, you know, sometimes I add pickles to it because that's a it's Russian top. tradition. Really? Yeah. Yes. What kind of pickle though? Um, Like a, 
like a cornichon type of pickle, like not a sweet pickle. Like yeah, a, my vision of pickle is always like a gherkin, which you know which is, is the same size as a cornichon, but yeah. a very different flavor. You a know little, that? but a gherkin would work in this too. And and but I have to say the other, pickle, yeah. No, no, cornichon. Is no, not but us when I think of a gherkin, it's like the the sweet oh. gherkins. That's what we used to have. By the way, speaking of Thanksgiving, we used to have that on our relish tray at Thanksgiving. It was like a sweet gherkin pickle. <laughs> that so sounds funny. very Midwest to me. No, oh, it's these so are, Midwest. These are salty pickles. These aren't sweet. Okay. And actually, the other kind of potato salad I make is Russian potato salad or Ukraine. I mean, it's across the Soviet Union. It's not just Russia, but um, it's called Salad Olivier. And it's potato. And actually, Persians make the salad too, which is sort of interesting. People from Russia brought it to. Persia and people there started making it. But long story short, it's potatoes, cooked carrots, dice small, hard-boiled egg, peas, canned peas, jarred peas no. typically, really? correct? Oh, you, no, it's it's true. And then um, pickles and almost like an equal amounts, like it's not just potatoes and then a mayonnaise dressing. There is no New Year celebration in the former Soviet Union that does not have the salad I'm kind of speechless. Yeah. Like uh, canned – Peas. Do not knock it. You have you. It's you have to taste it in the combination of all these ingredients. I've made it with fresh peas, and I was like, you know what? The canned ones are kind of they add a flavor. It, and actually, they're not typically canned. They're usually these jarred peas. Okay. If you get them at Russian markets or Ukrainian markets or Eastern European markets, you'll find jars of peas there. And it's because um, people use it in these salads. But I digress. It's it's a typically New Year's salad. It's an all-year salad. People have it all the time, but it is always eaten for the New Year. Is there symbolism in that? Yes, I'm sure, and I can't remember. But I just know it was – there was not one year – New Year's is like the biggest holiday of the year there, and in our family it was a really big deal. And so there was not one New Year's that my grandmother and mother didn't make the salad. And I love this salad growing up. I mean, and I still love it. However, I don't you can see the skepticism in my face. I'm like, I Carrie, can't even get, I cannot get over this canned pea situation. Carrie, next time, will you please remind me to make you the salad? Yes, and you yes. will, I promise you, if you don't like it, I, I don't, I will You'll be so surprised. Money. <laughs> I'll refund your money. <laughs> no, I'm so curious. What an interesting combination. I do, so this is because it's a little – it can throw people off. It's not typically what I bring to a potluck because, again, Fair my enough. idea is like bring something familiar and make it a little more exciting. Make which it is a why little more I, elevated. Yeah. yeah, which is why I go yeah. back to the herby potato salad, which is just a go-to for me, especially if there's any kind of like barbecue type of potluck. And that's a typically work. nice offering because the potato salad is generally a rich dish, but – sort of lightening it and making it a little more zingy with yes. so many herbs. And and generally speaking, like if you're going to a place where you would put a potato salad on the table, there's some kind of combination of rich meats, you know, grilled meats or whatever. And then, like you said, there are all these rich other things. And so to add something that was like herby and fresh is nice, you know? Yeah. And like you said, I think a green bean would go. There's so many ways to play around with it. Okay. Before we go today – why don't you share maybe like your favorite bite of food from this week? Well, it's funny. We were just talking about this sweet potato salad. And what I was thinking about when you were describing it is the the green color and the orange color. And that was actually something that I made this week. Um, and the, the plate was really beautiful. You know, you and I have been talking a lot about food. I made a pesto pasta and I had I served it with some steamed squash. I had a kabocha squash that I cut up and steamed, and 
just had like a little bit of chopped up walnuts and mint on it, but just like the green, that verdant, bright green pasta next to that really bright orange squash was not only so beautiful, but also just, it was like such a delicious meal. Oh, that sounds really, really good. Do you have one? Mine's a tie. I think I have to say both. Okay. My first was not at home. <laughs> um, we went to have ramen at this place called Afuri Ramen here in Portland, which is one of my favorite Japanese spots in town. But the what made the ramen so good is they make their broth with yuzu. And mm. it's yuzu is like a citrus that's really commonly grown in Japan. And it's not quite like a lemon and not quite like a lime. It's much more floral. Different. And it has this really beautiful flavor. And I just never had had citrus as part of like a rich ramen broth in this way where it's so noticeable. So that was one amazing revelatory bite of food. And then just last night... And I feel like we've talked about meatballs before, but I, it's, it was just a little cold and gray and I was craving kind of like a comfort meal, but I didn't want something too heavy like pasta. And so I made these chicken tiftelia, which are my grandmother from Ukraine would make these. They're like these chicken meatballs, but they're mixed with rice. So it's almost like a complete meal. And then they're cooked in a red sauce. It's not quite an Italian red sauce, but it is like a red sauce. It also has onion and carrot and garlic. And that sounds amazing. Yes. Like so, so comforting. So comforting. So yeah, just this bowl of like, and they're kind of bigger than normal size meatballs or like they're large size meatballs. So yeah. But it's just, its own, but but it's not like you're not serving that with a pasta or because no. it's the rice and the the chicken. It's a ground chicken. Yeah. It's ground like chicken. Ground chicken. Yeah. yeah. You could do ground turkey. You could do ground beef or pork. You could do a combination, like any combination. Would you would you use – do you steam the rice for that dish or do you just use like leftover rice if you have – Ideally, I use leftover rice, which we usually have, but I didn't have any. So I actually just boiled – parboiled some rice. I boiled rice for like eight to ten minutes, drained it, and then threw it in with the ground beef. I mean, because sorry, ground chicken. It, because then it then it also just cooks. You, or is it a drop meatball? So you just cook it yeah, in the tomato. You sauce? You cook it in the tomato sauce. That so sounds you, amazing. You dilute like it, let's say you were using jarred tomato sauce. You would dilute it a little so that because it's right. gonna it's gonna so, soak be soaked up. Yes, right. exactly. And it's going to reduce as it simmers. And then it's yeah, it's like a whole complete meal. And if you had some bread on the side, you could or even. People serve it with mashed potatoes, although that's totally unnecessary. Yeah, it's just so – it's like comforting. It's like soul food. That seems totally like soul, soul food. food, grandma food to me. Like Very grandma food. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That sounds so delicious. I wish that we were neighbors. I know. Every day I wish we were neighbors. Every day. Every day I wish we're neighbors, but we, this is pretty close. This is good. Yeah. This this makes this is the highlight of my week is just talking Aww. about food with you. And too. I really I had this burning like, oh my God, this fire salad, it's so good. Sonia would love this. And as I was watching the last person scoop out the last bit of it, I was like, she would also appreciate that it's just like people loved the salad so much. And it was fun for me to make too. It's like it's nice when you find something that you can a good standby. I feel like I've got a good standby. Go to yeah. potluck salad. The go to potluck faro salad. Yeah, so we can link that. Yeah, we'll link all these things. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. We'll have a delicious rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating.